0: Hello, this is Frank Goss with Vintage Broadcasting. It's been a distinct privilege to provide for you, our listeners, a fact-filled historical perspective on public education in the United States through our podcast, John Dewey's Dumbdown of the American Mind, as well as considering the definite decline we're facing in our culture with global Marxism from the top down. The research and the facts are quite revealing, and in many cases, stunning. I'm receiving requests to speak in various locations and am presently preparing an itinerary. If you or your organization would like us to speak to your group, please contact us at VintageBroadcasting2020 at gmail.com. That's VintageBroadcasting2020 at gmail.com. Or call 606-776-3845. That's 606-776-3845. We appreciate your participation and thank you very much. Organization that was funded and maintained by a group of billionaires who had in mind global domination. This organization began with this objective in mind, but it was founded at the end of World War II with the idea of resolving international conflicts and bringing global peace, but it's developed into one of the most influential organizations in the world with power to sway the nations financially, politically, spiritually, and educationally usurping the sovereignty of nations throughout the world. Presidents, kings, and potentates from all over the globe have willingly signed treaties on behalf of their people, people who have not been aware of of what all these things entail. What would you call such an organization? We call it the United Nations. Located in Lake Success, New York, this organization was formed in 1945 on land donated by the Rockefeller family and with funding from Andrew Carnegie. Its charter has been ratified by China, France, Soviet Russia, the United Kingdom and the United States of America, along with a majority of other signatories. Fifty-one nations in all comprise the original members joined together in order to achieve the willing cooperation of free peoples in the world in which, relieved of the menace of aggression, all may enjoy economic and social security. What have they achieved over the past 77 years? It's definitely a subject worth considering. I am Frank Goss with Vintage Broadcasting and would like to invite you to walk with us as we consider this topic. We'll be reading from the book, Global Tyranny, Step by Step, The United Nations and the Emerging New World Order, written by William J. Jasper. Some things need to be brought into the light, and we as a people should know the truth. Truth, if you believe it, brings freedom. I have met hundreds, if not thousands of individuals who have strong opinions regarding politics, God, education, and economics. However, when they are asked to explain themselves, they hesitate. They're unable to gather their thoughts and substantially express them. Having a head full of knowledge and a heart full of opinions while lacking the ability to share that knowledge or those opinions brings frustration to the individual and limits others from learning. What good is knowledge if it's not shared? Often it's not because we refuse to share the knowledge, we just don't see what we can do. We don't see how what we have to say would matter. Our blindness is due to our ignorance. Seeing, we don't see. And hearing, we simply do not hear. If you consider life and wish to share what you know, you need to be able to articulate in an intelligent manner your experiences and what you've learned. The inability to do this, for the most part, is a general result of the government's approach to public education. They do not promote fundamental educational principles. That is because they're not seeking intellectuals or critical thinkers. They're looking for an adequately skilled labor force. In the past, in the years prior to Dewey and the progressives, a proper education was governed by what was called the trivium and the quadrivium, which is grammar, logic, dialectics, and rhetoric or the ability to both read, write, and speak persuasively. After the trivium was mastered, it was followed by the quadrivium, which is arithmetic, geometry, music, and astronomy. Every stage of education was centered on basic knowledge and understanding of theology. God, the Christian God, not a God of some man's making, was at the center of all things, for it was understood that all things found their origin in God. He is the beginning of all reason. Such steps are no longer found in the halls of public education. As a matter of fact, these concepts are virtually unknown to the public. The minds of our students have been intentionally stunted and malformed to such an extent that to present such a method of study would result in a maelstrom of backlash from both parents and teachers alike. In October of 2022, Professor Maitland Jones Jr., an 84-year-old tenured professor at New York University, was dismissed from his position after a number of years because several students complained that his class was too hard. The dumbing down of the American public has worked. Dewey, Thorndike, and Cassell have had a great deal of success in their approach to education. It's working. Have you ever heard someone say that schools don't teach you how to think? Have you ever been frustrated when you consider that you spent so many years in school Elementary, secondary, and university levels being told what to think, that you came out with only the ability to regurgitate what you had been taught. Reasoning and creative thought, they just escape you. Why? Well, let's look back and see. In 1902, the General Education Board was a non-governmental organization designed to support higher education and was founded primarily by John D. Rockefeller. Throughout his lifetime, he donated approximately $180 million to the furtherance of public education. Why was so much funding put into public schools? Well, a lot of it was control and power. What was his motivation? Well, that was it. And Rockefeller let it be known, I do not want a nation of thinkers. I want a nation of workers. And he had the money and the people to support this. Your inability to reason and to think is by design. You've been educated according to an agenda, and you've been educated into ignorance, and you don't even realize it. Frederick T. Gates, one of the members of the General Education Board, said this, In our dream, the board's dream, we have limitless resources, and students yield themselves with perfect docility to our molding hands. We shall not search for embryo great artists, painters, musicians, lawyers, doctors, preachers, politicians, or statesmen of whom we already have an ample supply. The task we set before ourselves is straightforward and lovely, to train these people as we find them to a perfectly ideal life where they are. In many cases, independent thinking and higher ambition was utterly quashed. Now, my consideration of this history that I read is based on what Hosea wrote years ago in his records. God said, My people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. And he doesn't stop there. He continues by saying, because you've rejected knowledge, I will reject you. We're encouraged to study and show ourselves approved unto God, a workman that does not need to be ashamed. Paul told this to his student, Timothy, as he encouraged him to mature and grow in grace and knowledge of the Lord Jesus. What was to be his point of reference, though? For Timothy, there had to be a point of reference. It was the word of God, which focuses on God. It was not on a library of books of philosophy by some greek scholars or roman thinkers paul the apostle was exceptionally well educated having studied at the feet of gamaliel a highly regarded rabbinical teacher during his time history reveals that students studied classical greek and ethics in his day and if you read his letters you'll see that his thinking was well organized and he could clearly present his case before the jewish leaders in roman hierarchy it was hard to dispute what paul had to say Antiquity also shows that Paul's family were tent makers. It was a trade for them in a business, and they had an excellent knowledge of the craftsmanship required to, to make a good tent. He was skilled with his hands and with his head. He was a lawyer educated in the highest theological school of his time and was taught a trade. He was a well-rounded individual with a tremendous education and the ability to think. He could also articulate his thought very clearly meaning that his mind was not cluttered, cluttered with other things. He continually read and wrote prolifically. His education was acquired long before he met Jesus Christ. His character and his desires were established early in life. To me, this indicates that God was molding the mind and the methods of Paul from conception. God circumstanced Saul's life and placed him on the road to Damascus, where he introduced himself to the man. It was God who was at work in him. Now, what does all this have to say about knowledge? Well a great deal. Paul knew his rights and his place, and he understood his abilities, and he knew God. How did he know these things? He read words. He didn't listen to tapes, records, or radio. He read words, words that wise men had written. He learned. He did not despise knowledge, but he pursued it. C.H. Spurgeon, who is a brilliant orator, once said, Study until your head splits. The more you know, the more valuable you are to those around you. Who you know adds power to the knowledge you possess. And Paul knew the love of Christ. He knew Christ. And this compelled him to do what he did, to write what he wrote, go where he went, and say what he said. Paul told Timothy to study, understanding that ignorance is embarrassing, A lack of understanding brings shame, brutishness, and dullness to the mind, causing men to act like animals and lose respect. Today, we have individuals who believe they are animals rather than human beings created in the very image of God. They could not even possibly understand these things. And you know what? As a man thinks in his heart, that's exactly how he's going to act. Without truth to guide a man, this is where he ends up. They think they're no better than the dog. The incredible capacity of the individual is diminished. It's limited and wasted. With ignorance comes a true sense that things are absurd, that life has no meaning. And so many are lost in the maze of humanity and they're perishing. Hence, God says, my people perish for lack of knowledge. Sadly, though, it's not because knowledge is not available. I'm sitting at an old computer that had been well used over time. I can learn history, math, art, music, philosophy. I can even acquire a new language at the push of a button in the quiet privacy of my home. Remarkable, isn't it? It's all here. And for the most part, it's free. But most people reject these things. I've had people tell me over the years that reading is boring. It puts them to sleep. Math skills, language skills, they're not required to do what I do and so on. People reject knowledge. They push the opportunity aside as they attempt to forge a path into the jungle of life without even knowing how to get to where they want to go. Not all is lost. There are some, there are those who rise to the top and how amazing these things go when they study and learn. One of my personal greatest regrets is that I did not take advantage of the opportunities to learn when they were presented. I rejected practically every opportunity given when I was young. I did not want to learn. Consequently, I was led through my youth and into my early adult years by the ideas and direction and desires of others. Why? Because I did not know what to do or say. So I followed. And I was angry most of the time and very frustrated. Even after repentance and faith and coming to know Christ, it took me years. It took me years to understand the particular need of these things. What I see now is that there are simply no excuses. We suffer the consequences of our willful ignorance. Then, we hope, and really in America, we expect to be bailed out. This is evident in our culture. Sadly, this is evident within the church as well. As we consider the education practices of early days, we see that children were to study grammar employing phonetical pronunciation at the age of five. For the next few years, they learned to read on a level that would far exceed the 5th grade level of our high school graduating classes. They gained an understanding of the origin of words and their meanings, not by rote. After this, they learned how to debate and define thoughts and principles and to explain what they thought. By the age of 10, children were reading the classics, discussing what they had learned and applying these principles to life. They were learning how to think logically and systematically. And then, at the age of 12 or 13, student advanced into rhetoric, learning how to articulate what he had learned. Quintilian, a famous rhetorician, referred to this as teaching a good man how to speak well. By the age of 16, a young man was tried and proven. Was he ready to be turned out to the world and proceed to higher education? I don't know. Let's examine him. At this point, a young person would decide what profession they wished to pursue. They would be able to express themselves adequately, thinking logically, and process their thinking in an organized manner. Some were doctors, lawyers, shop owners, college professors, and people in business. Most attended church and read the Bible daily. God's law was supreme, and not many rejected this understanding. During this time, America was considered to be the most intellectual culture in the modern world. Typically, parents were the teachers, and the learning was practical. Many knew what a teacher was and how they affected the student's eternity, and that the mind was not something to be trifled with. You never know the extent your impact will have or where your influence will stop. It was not until Robert Owen and Horace Mann came along that these ideas and this particular method of education was seriously interrupted. Both of these men opposed God. They were a Hegelian collectivist in their principles. They rejected the Bible as the word of God. They rejected creationism and biblical learning. It was not until John Dewey with Thorndike and Cassell arrived that a genuine effort was made to extricate all ideas of God from public education curricula. Now we had burned into our minds the false notion of separation of church and state. In America, it was then when the public schools became social laboratories, and my children, your children, myself included, became lab rats. Trace the facts and see if what I am saying is accurate. Most people will not bother with that because they hear what they want to hear. These are the expressed, written intentions of these men. A lot of naysayers will rise in anger regarding what I have to say. And they accuse me of wanting to groom students according to my religion. They say I'm doing this blindly, trying to erase their minds and program it according to the way I think. I laugh at this. I really do. Because look who is in charge and who has been in charge of public education for nearly 200 years. These are the ones that are grooming the children in every aspect. Do you want to teach your child to remove their genitalia? Do you want your daughter to cut off her breast? Do you want your child to hate the boy next to him because of his skin color, or because of his nationality, because he's a Jew? These people are calling us racist while they're teaching our kids to become racist. It's hypocrisy at its highest level. Check your historical facts and see how carefully Lenin and Stalin employed racism to achieve their ends. Do you remember Kristallnacht? Do you think the Germans had anything to do with stirring up a hatred of the Jews among the public... Or did it just naturally come? And suddenly all all of Germany wanted to exterminate the Jews. The Democrats call me and you Nazis and fascists. But who practices the Nazi principles? Who brings fascism to the streets? Antifa? Is that a Republican organization? This is Obama's game, Biden's tactics, and Clinton's methods. Say what you wish, but conservative-minded men and women are not war mongers and violent. They're not. They're not card-carrying members of Antifa or the Black Lives Matter movement, declaring themselves to be Marxist-trained. No, this is the democratic way of saying they want to change the way you think. They like to use bricks and bats and firebombs because it instills a real personal fear. It's all about power and control. School is. It's not your child's well being. One fellow, a tattoo multicolor headed fellow with a lovely nose ring, was ranting about how Christians want to evangelize the children and twist their minds with fantasy. All he wants to do is let them know about freedom. What it's like to frolic on the beach with his boyfriend, feeling the freedom to be who he is and to do what he wants to do. It doesn't matter what the law says or what the Supreme Court has to say. Sane, caring adults do not enjoy this sort of perverse instruction being taught to their children. These things are against nature. We know that. We don't want anything to do with it, but most will passively allow it and accept it, refusing to say a word. Why be offensive? Why cause a problem when you don't need to? The school board meetings are not well ignored; are not well attended, and mostly are ignored in most towns. Most of the men who should be leading are laying back in their recliners, watching Tucker Carlson give them hell, followed by Sean Hannity and Laura Ingram. You tell them, right? They don't want to get involved. They cast a vote in secret, rarely addressing these situations. Not many people wear uh, MAGA hats today. Why? Tell me why. People like to complain among friends, but personal involvement? Eh, you're getting too risky. They might get hurt or silenced by the woke crowd. The FBI may come knocking and their boss may hear of their position on these matters and they could literally lose their job. Such is our society today. This is a presentation of the indulgent culture, the American liberals, the political activists and the Democrats have nurtured and shaped. This is their expression of freedom. And the Republicans, you think they're not complicit? We're all part of the game here. There are no innocent parties. Did you ever hear Richard Nixon or Ronald Reagan, George Bush, or Donald Trump addressing the moral and spiritual decline of the American people? We want to point to Johnson, Carter, Clinton, and Obama, and we want to say that Biden is spiritually corrupt and morally evil, but not solid conservative men. No. The morality of the United States has been falling like a rock in water for many, many years. And it's not a political issue. The, d- the dilemma that we're facing is not a political issue so much as it is a spiritual and moral one. The heart of man is wicked across the board, and they're fighting for new ways to express their wickedness. That's the freedom they want. If you want to excite corporate America or the educational system, mention God in your assemblies. Tell the children under your care that Jesus Christ loves them and how he died to take away the sin of the world. Teach your people that homosexuality is wrong and against nature, and the Lord has a better way. Republicans and Democrats can and will tolerate a great deal of things, but you simply do not bring God into the picture. Everything is palatable up to that point. And when Scripture is mentioned and God is referenced, the gloves come off in both political parties. God has no place in the leadership in the United States of America. Don McLean hit the nail on the head back in 1971 when he mentioned how we asked God to vacate the premises. He said, the three men he admired the most, the Father, Son, and Holy Ghost, they took the last train for the coast the day the music died. Today, Republicans hate Democrats, and Democrats hate Republicans. Russia hates the Ukrainians, and the Ukrainians hate the Russians. The Chinese Communist Party hates the free market and capitalism. And we hate the Chinese Communist Party. But the one thing that they all have in common is a deep hatred and disdain for God, for the gospel of Jesus Christ and the infallible word of God, the Bible. Everybody wants to give lip service and a respect to religion, but not control. This is the world that we live in in 2022. This is America. I love my country, but it's undeniable that she has fallen. And can she be saved is a good question. Not if we continue to to allow the perversions we are presently embracing. History reveals that nations that allow such behavior do not thrive long. They don't last. Rome fell. The Ottoman Empire is barely remembered. Men, PhDs, Harvard lawyers, MIT scientists professing themselves to be wise, they've all become fools. God has given them over to the lust of their hearts. Watch how they mutilate their bodies. They remove their genitals, attempt, attempting to change their sex, later to find out that it changed their anatomy. They become transsexuals, homosexuals, liars, and futile in their speculation. They keep pressing the cause and reaching lower levels of depravity. They exchange the truth of God for a lie. And they seek to worship the, the creature and not God. The state is becoming sovereign. For this reason, watch and see if I'm wrong. God will give us over to degrading passions, men pursuing men sexually, openly, and brazenly, preferring men over women. They change their natural function for that which is unnatural. These lusts burn within them, and they can't imagine living any other way. They can't suppress their passions, convinced that God has made them this way. Finally, the end of the road is arrived at, and these people are determined to reject God and to refuse any knowledge of God. At that point, God gives them over to a depraved mind to do those things which are not proper. Men become wicked beyond the imagination. They know what they're doing is wrong, but that does not matter. They give hearty approval to all those who practice these same things. Can you imagine the sounds of the people banging on the door of Noah's Ark? These men and women lived their lives in similar fashion. God gave them over to their passions. They mocked Noah, and they refused to listen to his warnings. And as it was in the days of Noah, so it is today. Look around you. See if I'm wrong. When you see these things happening, know that God's hand is acting in judgment. People have allowed themselves to trade the truth of God for a lie. And the fearful thing is that God allows them to do this. And in the face of these events and these happenings, we as a people do very little. We're unmoved and unaffected. God is continually ignored, but being independent and wise men, come hell or high water, we're bound and determined to figure things out without the help of God. It's just a matter of getting the right people in office and holding to the conservative party and that way of things, right? We go to work. We pay our bills. We watch Tucker. We see a game or two on Sunday. We follow the routine and we do what we've always done. Nothing. Nothing. That is, until our personal lives are affected. Then we take notice. And then we do what most people do in such a situation. We act surprised. We complain. Is there hope? I believe there is. But it won't be found politically. Nor will it be found among men. Here is eternal hope that has existed for centuries. The Lord Jesus said, Come unto me, all you weary and weighed down with all the worries of life. And I'll give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I'm gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. If you wish, you can read that in Matthew chapter eleven, verses twenty-eight and twenty-nine. God also says, "If my people, called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face, and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven, and I will heal their land." Again, you can read that in Second Chronicles seven fourteen. Now, if you're a Christian, you stop and ask yourself, do you believe these things? And I can tell you just exactly how much you believe it. You're doing it. Everything else is just talk and wishful thinking. again as we continue with our series Global Tyranny Step by Step. This is Frank Doss with Vintage Broadcasting. Have a good day. Come on, Sergeant.